<laughs> it always comes back to Helsing Ultimate. Abridged. Abridged. We should state that. Yep. I was a chick in the 40s. <laughs> My boss is a woman. I was a chick in the 40s. I hate everyone equally. And there's no one alive who could comprehend my, my sexual preference. preference. So what I'm really trying to say is, ch 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 check your privilege. <laughs> Today we're talking about feminism in the nerd space. Being a female nerd, whether it's a creator, gamer, cosplayer, or writer, and also how female characters have been treated in film, print, and other creative mediums. Because I promise we don't all run around brawless with unholstered weaponry. <laughs> I mean, I won't judge you if you do, because that's fucking awesome, but... I think most women would agree that they don't enjoy being slapped in the face by their boobs though while they're running. I mean, not all of our bodies are built that way. I don't get slapped in the boobs when I get run when I go running. You don't get slapped in the boobs when you go running. <laughs> <laughs> slapped in the face with my boobs. Apparently, you don't because you don't even know how to say it correctly. <laughs> Lucky you. I mean, if they're squished down, I feel like I'm getting suffocated by them, but I don't get slapped with them. Mine are thankfully not big enough for that, but I think if they were bigger, they would. I'm sure there are plenty of video game female characters that uh, feel that problem. See, okay, that's the thing. In video games, though, when they have these giant boobs, they barely move. Like, they move enough to be, like, I don't know, appealing to men, but they don't move as much as they physically should. And I'm just like... Like, how do that? How do those physics work? There is no physics when it comes to female bodies in video games. None. None whatsoever. Magic gravity where boobs are exempt. Yeah, they're like, I have these giant boobs and no bra, and it's just like this magic fabric that sticks to my body without moving as I'm running or like sprinting through with a gun. I'm like, no. There's no <laughs> physics there. What kind of witchcraft is this? I feel like all video game animators should be required to take like physics and anatomy. The shitty thing is, is like a lot of them will actually study like live action actors movements. But see, that's the thing is though when live actors are doing it, generally speaking, they're wearing bras. If they're doing an action scene, they're usually wearing a, a, some type of supportive material. They're not doing it naked. Right. But like there is still a little bit of jiggle. Like one of my favorite things about Wonder Woman, which we'll get into, is the fact that like when she lands, you see the jiggle in the thighs because like that's a natural occurrence. I like how we just went from boobs to thighs. Okay. <laughs> what do you want from me? I'm not saying they don't jiggle. I'm just saying like if you don't have an underwire and you are a well-endowed woman, that ain't gonna just stay there or jiggle a little bit. That gonna be all over the place. There's not enough boob tape in the world to keep your, your clothing attached. The reason that we're bringing up the lack of physics when it comes to female bodies in video games specifically right now is the fact that it makes it very difficult for women to feel accepted and want to play these games. Women are constantly looking for representation in stereotypically male dominant fields, such as video games, writing, literally anything creative whatsoever so well, anything generally in the world but <laughs> while we've made progress in certain fields such as science medicine the geek world has kind of been more difficult for women to break into and feel accepted by and a lot of that has to do with misogyny that continues to run rampant in video games specifically the characters that have overly large boobs who somehow still have these tiny waists 
wear absolutely no clothing in the middle of fight scenes, even though no warrior in their right mind would ever do that. Everything that's unrealistic makes women not want to play those games because they don't like how it's portraying themselves. They're looking for representation. Or they feel unsafe when they play those games. Yeah. I think that so much of the issues of women feeling accepted in the nerd space is feeling safe in the nerd space. Well, I mean, we see that unfortunately still a lot in cosplay where we are constantly nowadays pushing cosplay is not consent. For decades and still today, people assume that, oh, there's a woman in a costume. And if it's even remotely scandalous or not at all, people just assume they can walk up and touch them. You don't just walk up and touch people on Halloween. Cosplayers don't like to compare things to Halloween, but the same rules apply. Just because somebody's in a costume doesn't mean you can go touch them or take their prop or do whatever the heck you think you can. They're a human being. They're not a video game character, even if they may look like one. But I mean, I think about Gamergate like a few years ago, uh, while we're talking about video games in particular, in regards to some of the nonsense that went down with female gamers and the fact that a lot of male gamers would threaten these female gamers with rape and assault and all of this other horrifying shit. Cause you know, their little male egos were- Sorry, actually on that note, it made me think of um, the TV show, Big Bang Theory. This show is extremely popular cause everybody loves, you know, geeky guys being silly or awkward or whatever. But the thing is, there is something actually extremely toxic about that show because the characters in that show are very excessively misogynistic. But because they're geeky and awkward, everybody thinks it's cute and it's quirky. But if a jacked up dude who goes to the gym were to say the same exact things, he's considered to be an asshole. There is a very different way that society treats these men because we think they just stay in their mother's basements playing video games all day. We just give them a pass. And I think that they've been taking that pass for as long as it's existed. Well, it kind of falls under the whole stereotype of good guys finish last, right? Oh or, my God. Oh, oh, girls only want to date assholes. It's like, well, or maybe you're just not that nice. Or maybe if you really, if all you care about is getting into a woman's pants, then become an asshole, fuck her and dump her. If that, cause clearly that's what that, the whole good guys finish last is about. All you care about is the fact that you're not tapping that ass and somebody else is. Not the fact that she respects you and comes to you when she needs comfort and wants to spend time with you. All you think about is, oh, she won't sleep with me. Guess what? That makes you an asshole. You don't deserve to sleep with anybody. Karma doesn't give you someone to sleep with. That's not how karma works. It's a it's a problem. I mean, I've slowly seen stuff get better, but it it's so few and far between. And I don't know. It's it's hard being a woman in the nerd space because no matter where you look, either you're getting hypersexualized or you're getting either fat shamed or Slut-shamed. Uh, Slut-shamed or you're a three on a scale from one to 10. It's like, cool, because I don't know what my face looks like. Well, here, here's the thing. Nobody gives a shit. Last time I checked, gaming wasn't a fucking modeling competition. They're there to play the goddamn game. So angry. I think both of us have had professional and personal encounters with these issues, whether it's someone hypersexualizing us in the workplace. I mean, I was in a effing war zone and I couldn't move two feet without someone looking me up and down. It's like, thanks. 
perfect. It's not like I'm wearing ACUs or anything. (laughs) My experience is more along the lines of, we need you to look professional, but what you like to wear, even if like, even if it is feminine is not professional, like look like a woman, but not too much like a woman. Are, are, are you fucking kidding me? What do you want me to look like? Would you like to come over to my house every single morning and put on my makeup for me and pick out my my clothing and put me like a dress me up like a goddamn Barbie doll? Because that is what I feel like some days. And it doesn't help that so many industries continue to feed into that stereotype, especially in a business setting. Men can become CEOs by wearing jeans and t-shirts to work. But if a woman was to do that, oh, she's lazy. Oh, she doesn't take pride in her appearance. Well, that's that's what comes down to it. You need to be take pride in your appearance, but you're not allowed to be prideful. Yeah, you're not allowed to actually be prideful, but a dude over there can be arrogant as fuck. And that's the only way he's going to actually climb the ladder. So on the topic of beauty standards in the professional world, let's talk about film for for a minute because the hypersexualization and honestly, the entire culture in Hollywood surrounding actresses and their bodies is so bad. We've had a lot of conversations with the Me Too movement, so we're making progress, but I mean, we still see like all of our films are still portrayals of a lot of the same female stereotypes in regards to body standards. Of course, we have exceptions to the rule, uh, Melissa McCarthy being one of them. But again, a lot of the beginning of her career was basically based on the stereotype of, you know, the funny fat friend to the point where when she lost all the weight to get healthy, her show got canceled because, oh, she wasn't fat enough for that storyline anymore. I think about all of these very, very powerful women, specifically in superhero films, who I, I think it was Wasp, where like everyone was like, oh, you have the most comfortable suit out of all of us. And it's like, she has to wear a corset under that. So she has a more feminine shape. So fuck off. Was that designated by the directors? Kind of. Like it was a costuming choice to give her a more feminine shape in that suit by having her wear Be- body contouring. being a woman didn't make her feminine enough? Nope. Don't you know a tiny waist and a big booty means that you're feminine? No, it means you don't have organs. Do we, do we need to go into an entire history of how corsets killed women? It's absolutely ridiculous. Oh my God. And I, I think half the issue is the fact that there aren't enough female directors, producers, and writers in that space. We saw an incredible triumph in Wonder Woman. Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman. I'm not talking about the Justice League. We don't talk about the Justice League because screw Zack Snyder. Anyway. Still haven't seen it. I saw what Zack Snyder did to the Amazons and then I just got pissed and never saw it. Um, (laughs) Just be real. Um, So in Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman, she embraced the incredible power of the physicality of all of the women that were playing the Amazons. You saw the muscle. You saw the ferociousness. Like It was just absolutely inspiring to see these jacked women kicking ass not these nothing against you know women with less muscle mass because those women can be strong too but that's the thing though we don't actually see strong women physically Mm -hmm. most women you see in film have absolutely no muscle mass they're just skinny and then we start to well not start to we've been doing this for a hundred years where thinness and health have become synonyms. And it's like, 
that's that's not how that works. Thanks. Come again. I was so excited in Wonder Woman to see bodies that looked like mine on the screen kicking ass. Because I have quite a bit of muscle mass compared to a lot of women that I know. Well, you my my ass, that's for sure. <laughs> like, I've got thick arms, I got thick legs, and like, don't get me wrong, I've kind of, anxiety eating is a thing. Anyway. Eating is a thing? But I mean, even when I was just out of basic training, I still had pretty thick arms and legs because that's just my body type. I just have a lot of muscle mass. What? You mean you're not naturally a twig like every other woman on the planet that is designed to wear men's clothing? Oh my God, so many comments. (laughs) The 1920s screwed us in so many ways. Anyway, so, and I think so much of that triumph in Wonder Woman has to do with the fact that it was female-led. Patty Jenkins wasn't seeing it through the male scope. She was seeing it as these are powerful kick-ass women. So a lot of those actresses that were playing the Amazons were either UFC fighters or Olympic athletes or industry stunt women. Which I mean, you were on an island full of Amazons who spent their lives training. That is what they would look like. Right. Their level of dress was indicative of their comfort and how they needed to move. Um, Speaking of being jacked, uh, there's actually a cosplayer that I recently ran into who showed some pictures that she did in a She-Ra cosplay. And she is jacked, not like overly muscle jacked. She's just like actually legitimately athletic and you can see the muscles in her body. And even in cosplay, that's still quite uncommon. So it was very amazing and inspiring to see this woman who had toned her body in addition to her craft. The cosplayer is, I believe it's pronounced Fia, so P-H-I-A period C-O-S, as in cosplay. Their She-Ra is absolutely amazing, and they do an awesome job of showing the warrior side of She-Ra. So I definitely highly recommend checking her out. Yeah, go follow her on Instagram. Show her some love. Because yeah, like we, we need more representation of what all female bodies look like. Like as much as I appreciate the Dove commercials of body positivity... We also don't really celebrate the athletic female body too. I mean, ESPN did a body issue a couple years back where it was awesome to see female athletes in all of their glory. Well, I think we need to discuss the issue that you can be athletic, you can be ripped and jacked and have muscle tone. And And still still be be, feminine. Yeah, still be feminine. Because that's Mm -hmm. the biggest thing. Everybody's like, oh, well, you don't want to be too toned because then the guys aren't going to like you. We don't like at at the end of the day, what we're trying to prove is that women don't need people to justify themselves. Here's the thing about being a muscular woman and being feminine. Just because we look like we can kick your ass doesn't mean that we don't want to be cradled and loved. You can still be the little spoon. We we're we're fragile too. Like we're sensitive. Like just because, you know, we have thicker arms than you doesn't mean that we're any less woman. I think what a lot of people don't realize and we've you and I've discussed this regarding health where some people physically cannot get below a certain body shape because mm-hmm. of health reasons. And the fact that people are going to sit there and continue to tell them that they would be prettier if they were skinny or you're so unhealthy. Do you know how much they already beat themselves up every single day when they look in the mirror? You are not helping. You are just being an asshole. 
A good example of this is Carrie Fisher, may she rest in peace, the glorious goddess and princess that she is. When she was first cast as Princess Leia, she was told that she needed to lose 10 pounds because her face was too round. Okay, first off, not everybody holds their weight in the same places. So the fact that you losing 10 pounds, you just assume someone's going to lose it in their face is like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Well, she was already super skinny. Like how we see her in episode four, that's how she was when she got cast. Like she did not lose the 10 pounds. Good. So just to see how thin she was in episode four and the concept of her losing another 10 pounds, I, I can't imagine it. The industry is slowly but surely making progress. I mean, one great example of the industry moving forward, we're getting our first female 007 and she is a woman of color. I am so excited. <laughs> Yay! Um, sorry. I'm <laughs> I don't personally really celebrate excited. until after I've seen the completed project. I think that the victory here is very much in the casting like the even the willingness. I mean, Lashana Lynch is a phenomenal actress. She played Maria Rambo in uh, Captain Marvel earlier this year. And the integrity and intelligence with which she brought to the character, I think is going to be absolutely phenomenal to see in a 007. I'm really excited to see what they do with the story. And I pray that it lives up to the hype. We can always hope that it lives up to the hype. I just constantly feel like we're being let down. I think Black Panther is the only one that actually did a good job in representing Black people in film that I know of. I haven't seen every film on the planet, obviously. I mean, there, there's Hidden Figures. There's uh, Selma, but Selma was also directed by a woman of color, Ava uh, DuVernay, I think is how you say her name. If I'm, if I'm not, I'm so sorry. But speaking of female directors, because I've talked about Petty Jenkins, I talked about Ava DuVernay. Another shout out to uh, Reed Morano, who has directed The Handmaid's Tale, which is a triumph in and of itself uh, when it comes to the conversation of women's rights and women's rights to their bodies. Sophia uh, Coppola, again, if I butchered the name, I'm so sorry, who directed The Beguiled, and Anna Bowden, who directed Captain Marvel. So many of these movies have a very emotional and intellectual depth to them that I think is very, very specific to the female lens of the world. Greta Gerwig's Lady Bird is another, but, you know, we still need more writers in the writing room in Hollywood. I think that we're going to continue to stagnate in this weird uh, no man's land of misogyny versus feminism uh, until the scales even out. On the note of needing more writers in Hollywood that are female, we actually need more females in all forms of creation. I, I mean, there are certain industries or certain genres that we're doing really, really well in. We've seen a lot of women in young adult fiction novels, but it just comes down to the fact that we need more women to follow creative paths. And I think that's something that we're struggling with because of the fact that we've spent so many years fighting for women's rights, in particularly in the form of education. Well, see, my mom was in college in the 70s, and at that time, she talked about a lot of her girlfriends going to college just to find a man. 
So we are still fighting this battle of women getting representation in education and actually getting an education and doing something with that education. Because even if when women did get an education, they just wouldn't use it. They become a housewife, which there's nothing wrong with that. Some people enjoy that life and that's that what they want and that's fine. But we need to allow women to know that they can use their education and they can work in the workforce. And I think that has unfortunately taken away some of the right, I guess, to be a creative. A lot of women feel like now they have to work in the workforce. And I don't know if it's necessarily something that they're doing consciously, or it's more like a subconscious, I need to take care of myself. I need to make my move. I need to be successful. And so the idea of doing something creative is often pushed to the side because we don't support people making a living off of being creative or being successful at being creative. There's this idea that, oh, you want it into the male space, so you have to do everything. Oh, like there was, my God. There was no give and take. Like, oh, like if you want to be successful in the workforce, you better make sure that you're successful at home first. Well, it's, so, it's not just that, but the fact I, I personally have seen this very strange concept where women are paid less mm-hmm. and they're considered to be completely incompetent, but yet they are expected to do more. That is literally an oxymoron. But it doesn't matter because we're the lesser sex. Therefore, we deserve less. I don't honestly understand how you can expect more from somebody and just expect them to fail unless that's what you want. Maybe you do want them to fail. I mean, going back to YA and middle grade and children's books, because that is where women have found the most success. There is this stereotype of women are nurturing, therefore they should be pigeonholed into writing children's books. And it's like, mm. um, we are complex <laughs> creatures. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't believe nurturing is in my vocabulary. <laughs> no, no. Uh, you don't want Melanie to nurture shit. <laughs> Bree has seen that firsthand, how well that goes. <laughs> love you to bits. <laughs> not the nurturing type. I am. She's not. It's called tough mm-hmm. love. Uh, sure. Sure, <laughs> that's, what, that, that's, that's what that is. It's it's fine, listeners. I'm I'm not being held hostage on this podcast at all. Um, Woman, you are like 600 miles away from me. <laughs> so the reason I bring up the pigeonhole of women into children's literature is because when it comes to genre fic, like adult fantasy and adult sci-fi, and even crime thrillers, women are a lot of female writers are forced to use either their initials or just straight up pen names. And the women who are pretty prevalent in those genres either write village cozies, which there's nothing wrong with village cozies. It's not my personal uh, brand of crime or thriller because I'm, uh, I have darker sensibilities. And so I want the nitty gritty like psychological thriller. Yes, please. Anywho. So either they use a pen name, they, if they don't, they usually are published like writing village cozies Um, or my personal favorite, they are stuck into this wonderful thing that is women's fiction, which is this weird catch-all where if you are a woman who writes for a female audience, then it is women's fiction, even though it could be considered literary fiction or political fiction or crime thrillers. Like, <laughs> I have one more genre that you find women in. Oh? Erotica. 
Oh, yeah. Erotica and romance. Okay. So, like, nothing irritates me more when Jillian Flynn's books are shelved in women's fic. Like, that is not a beach read. <laughs> like, Gone Girl, Sharp Objects, those are not beach reads unless you're, you know, me. Um, I don't – I still don't understand the concept of beach read. Like, I don't read at the beach. I don't even go to the beach. <laughs> no, because you would fry up like a lobster. <laughs> I'd be dead. <laughs> I wouldn't be a lot. I'd just be dead. <laughs> but like, honestly, I've seen some serious issues with improperly genreizing. I don't know if that's a word. <laughs> books in general. Like, I don't know how many books I've tried to pick up or read. And I'm like, you have absolutely no idea how to market this book because this is not the genre that you wrote at all. Well, that's why a lot of great books don't even get published because oh. like the business teams at public publishing houses yep. are like we don't know how to market this so no you can't buy it we don't know how to market it it would probably be amazing but we don't really feel like taking the time to figure it out so good luck you want to do something yeah. unique what <laughs> i mean that's why the princess bride was such a stop go film for so long and why it did horribly at the box office was because the marketing team didn't know what to do with it because it's like this is a romance but it's also an adventure story and it's also an action flick it's also a comedy what do we do? Like, there are different issues within genre fic too. So I write contemporary fantasy. So like fantasy that takes place in our world. And one of my biggest gripes when I go to the bookstore to find books in my preferred genre is that half of the covers have over-sexualized women on them. Yes. Those women could be like completely and utterly badass, but I don't, that is not what connects well for me. That's because we just assumed that Men are the only one who reads fantasy, right? Women don't read fantasy. They're too busy in the uh, women's fiction section. I hate everything. Me too, dude. Me too. Ooh. So the other day I found a discovery of witches in the women's fic section. What? Fish that is fantasy. Oh, I know. I was so when angry. When on earth did that suddenly become women's fic? That's always oh, been marketed as fantasy. Uh, because it's written by a woman for women. Therefore, women's fic. Okay, uh do you write for a specific genre or gender me yeah i write for me <laughs> okay great because i don't know of anybody who's like only women are gonna read my book question because this has always been a huge topic in ya among parents writers readers blah 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 mm. in regards to women empowerment a lot of people have stated that sex should not be a topic in YA fiction. Go. I think that that's a mistake. Yes. For multiple reasons. Not just on the topic of women empowerment, but also- Education. The education. And also the fact that ignoring sex in YA basically preps these young people to not know how to talk about it. But their parents don't want to talk about it. So problem solved. Nobody talks about it. And then we have problems. If we were to talk about what healthy or unhealthy sex looks like at a younger age. Or even healthy then, relationships. Oh, gosh. Healthy relationships. <sighs> um, and books in general. Oh, my God. Um, but if we were able to show those examples, it would better prepare, you know, these young readers for uh, their adult lives. How many women did you know in college who got taken advantage of? I don't know. Most of the women I talked to in college either A, didn't party or didn't go out, or B, didn't remember the entire weekend. Ah. I went to a party school, so... And for, for women in the military, it's just so different 
Because when you join the military at, you know, an impressionable 16, 17, 18 years old, um, it kind of sets you up for getting taken advantage of in multiple ways, not just sexually. So, you know, I think back to one of the first books that I really loved, which was Tamar Pierce's Song of the Lioness mm. Quartet. And it provided this really awesome example of what a relationship could look like. I also really love that series because it discussed menstruation. Yeah. And it, and it discussed um, birth control. I don't fully remember that part. It's been a very long time since I've read it. Yeah, when her and, uh, spoiler, but this book has been out for like- Ever. Decades. So if you haven't read it yet, highly fix your life. Highly recommend for young women. <laughs> highly recommend for young women. Yeah, when her and Jonathan started uh, sleeping together, she went and got a tonic. I mean, that's a thing in a lot of genre fiction because you, you'll have some like witch or healer or something that will help out. But it's usually right. scandalized. Um, I mean, it was pretty just- I mean, in common I mean, sense. In general, not not specifically. Though. Yeah. In general, yeah. in fantasy, it is scandalized. It is something like nobody likes the healer, but like the healer literally is helping you not get pregnant if you don't want to. I will say that genre fic tends to be a. <laughs> Somehow, genre fic tends to either be uh, more progressive or way less progressive yes. than the mainstream like your literary fiction or your contemporary fiction. Because either you have one-sided spectrum where it's like, you know, Sarah J. Moss and all of the sex scenes and no issue is taboo. Um, I do think that they should have commentary stating like for younger audiences, because some people are mature for their age and they do read higher levels. So I, right. I do think that there should be some comment in the book stating that that's there. So when it came to Tamara Pierce's books, I read those in sixth grade. Yeah, I want to say I was um, pretty young when I read those. And it did not dawn on me what was going on, what Alana and Jonathan were doing. I was just like, oh, they love each other. And there's like, they're having sleepovers. It never. Because <laughs> what love is, Brie, having sleepovers every night. <laughs> <laughs> it never occurred to me that there was um, activities well, involved. <laughs> and that depends on how explicit you get with it. Like that is right. a writer's choice. I'm not saying right. you need to write erotica for young adults, but I do think that you shouldn't shy away from it if it's a natural progression for the characters. Especially when it comes to consent. Show consent. Oh my gosh. Like let's, let's normalize asking for consent. Please and thank you. Yeah. Rar. Anywho, stereotypes in general, whether it's, you know, how something is written or genre conventions or character conventions. There are so many things that we can do a better job of to progress our world forward in meaningful ways. I can't help but wonder if so much of this hypersexualization is in response to the publishing industry being terrified that they're going to become obsolete. So you're going to alienize 50% of the reading ship? Alienate? Whatever. I speak English. I, so public, okay. Publishing does. If the publishing industry was really concerned though about becoming obsolete, don't you think they would try to be more progressive rather than doing industry standards that are clearly not working considering they're falling behind? So fun fact, the industry itself has actually continued to grow for the last few years, like they have continuously 
seen growth. Like the publishing industry is not going. What away. do you mean by publishing industry? Money. I'm talking about publishing uh, houses, sales. Uh, sales. Like sales are going up, but the pay rates aren't. Well, that's um, every industry. Yeah, that is every industry. I mean, it's it's unfortunate because how people are buying their books is changing. I can't read on a tablet. No, I hate reading on tablet. And I don't know. It's it's really hard because there are bringing in Amazon because what? Today was Prime Day. Today was the last day of Prime Day. So Amazon is one of those book distributors that really puts publishing houses, especially indie publishers and authors in really shitty situations. Because if Amazon isn't your distributor, they don't care if someone rips off your stuff and is selling it on Amazon. They, I've, they don't. I've also heard a lot of indie authors in the groups that I've, I'm part of on Facebook discuss how Amazon will suddenly drop the price on their book without yeah. discussing it with them. And you have no recourse. Yeah, there's nothing you can do about it. It's awful. So all this to say, go support your local bookstores. We're so off topic in feminism right now. <laughs> I know, but like we, we covered this a lot in our panels regarding women in anime and uh, how to train your Disney, but you know, vote with your pocketbook. When you decide that you want a new book or video buy game from or film or video, yeah, like invest in female creators. There are so many incredible women doing so many incredible things that it's not hard to find someone to promote, to support. Mm. Even if you don't have money to support them, talk about their stuff, share it online. We constantly say like, use your, pay for it, buy it, support it monetarily. But that's not the only way to support. Honestly, just talking about it and having other people hear about it is one of the best ways to support somebody because then somebody's like, oh, I should go check that out now. Like that's fantastic. Word of mouth is not dead. Use your words. If you have a Twitter account, like tweet about it. If you have an Instagram, post about it. Like if you have a podcast, talk about it. The only industry I can actually think of where women are dominant in the creative aspect that is, is cosplay. Mm. Women are the predominant cosplay people. Most of the cosplayers that I follow and most of the cosplayers I've seen like competing, coming up with new ideas are women. And that's actually one of the only industries where we're trying to get more, well, I shouldn't say it's the only industry. It's one of the industries where we're trying to get more men involved because we're trying to show equity in. But that's true of every industry, right? Like how many men write romance, but write under a female pseudonym? Yeah, that's the thing is like certain industries are doing better than others. I wouldn't say like romance is an industry, it's a genre. There, there are different genres that are doing better than others. Like they're obviously very um, polarized, but mm-hmm. like cosplay, the male cosplayers don't get as much recognition. Or if they do, they're usually like a huge uh, fabricator. Yeah, they pieces. have to, they have to be above and beyond. And honestly, that's kind of cosplay in general nowadays because mm-hmm. of the products that people have put out. There is some amazing stuff out there, and it can be very difficult to be seen. But it's much harder for men to break out in the field of cosplay than it is for women. And a lot of that, unfortunately, does come back to sexualization. Full circle. Full circle. So I've shouted out to female directors in Hollywood. I also want to give you guys some examples of who who you can go support in your bookstores. If you're looking for an awesome adult fantasy book, check out V.E. Schwab's Shades of Magic series. I mean, all of her books are great. So um, 
Have your pick of choosing one. Uh, You're so good at this. I'm so bad at selling things. And I'm so sorry because I love these books so much. Like they're just, they're so good. Like the visualization and like I, I, so real, real quick, because what would be an episode of The Shiny Squirrel without me going on a fandom tangent? When you first open up A Darker Shade of Magic, the first thing you read is about this coat with several sides. Not one, not two, but several sides. And so it just like automatically swoops you up into the world and takes you along on this brilliant journey of incredible writing and phenomenal characters. And it, it's just a brilliant and fun read. Highly recommend it. V.E. Schwab, A Darker Shade of Magic in... I mentioned uh, Gillian Flynn, which if you haven't heard of Gillian Flynn... Uh, gone girl, then you're, you've been living under a rock. Sorry. Uh, what, you have a couple of really great suggestions in YA. Sorry. I was looking at video games animated by women and literally Mm -hmm. all Google gives me is list of female characters in video games. This makes me so sad right now. The fact that we don't even have a list of female animators in video games makes me really sad. Yeah. That's kind of depressing. Yeah. And by kind, I mean definitely. Okay. Female authors. If you are, if you enjoy historical fiction, Philippa Gregory is a fantastic freaking author. She has written so many historical fiction books and they are fantastic. Some uh, great women to support in YA, specifically contemporary YA, Jasmine Warga who wrote My Heart and Other Black Holes. It is not only a phenomenally written book, but it's also a really great representation of depression and suicidal ideation. Okay, I have a couple authors. This author writes in a couple different YA genres. Uh, Her name is Mary DeStefano. She is actually the first author to capture me with a contemporary fiction book, which... Anybody who knows me knows that I absolutely hate contemporary fiction. So it was absolutely amazing. And I think everything she writes is fantastic. Another one actually had one of her books adapted into a movie. And that is Lauren Oliver. Um, I think she writes some fantastic young adult books. Generally on the dystopian side, sometimes in other genres as well. A fantastic author who, if I remember correctly, actually did have sex in her young adult book is Gail Foreman. She wrote If I Stay. Oh, that book legitimately made me cry. My heart and other black holes like touched me on such a deep level, but it's, it feels like it's so rare sometimes to get that kind of raw, genuine representation. Mm. One series called Zodiac by Romina Russell that actually has had a ton, a ton of good press. And I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed the first book. It's basically a space opera. Let's let's shout out to our new adult authors. Hallie Jennings, who wrote Arena. It deals with sex, drug abuse, and just pressures of being a young adult while being famous. And granted, she's not really marketed as a new adult author, but J.L. Gribble, who uh, is the author of the Steel Empires uh, series. It's an alternative history uh, slash urban fantasy. Not only is she a beautiful human being, but she's also a brilliant author, incredibly imaginative. Her world is so expansive and her characters are hysterical. So we added a bunch to your TBR. I will not apologize. 
But speaking of female creators to support. Oh, oh, right. Oh, right. (laughs) We are female creators. Yay! And you can, <laughs> kind of part of it. You can support us on our Patreon if you like our podcast. Um, we will be sharing off-topic podcasts between seasons over there exclusively. Our sh- Patreon is the Shiny Squirrel. Additionally, you are always welcome to hit us up and chat with us on Twitter, where our Twitter name is Shiny Squirrel Poe. Um, as always, if you guys enjoyed anything we said or hated anything we said, <laughs> more likely me, I'm going to get, I'm going to lose so many points. You can award or remove Hogwarts house points from Brie or myself. thrillers like i want to find those in the thriller section please please and thank you ah!